0: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael
4: Lombardi and Patrick Maher on v And we begin the Lombardi Line right here on v presented by MGM. Dave Ross alongside Mike Pritchard for the next two hours here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. Mike, I always look forward to doing these shows with you because I know we're going to talk a lot of NFL. Because I could, you know this, we could talk it. 24-7. Sure. I saw somebody post on Twitter today. They said, I Th- think it's only like 16 more weekends or something until we get the NFL back. Like It, that, <laughs> it made me feel like, like it was on. like yesterday or tomorrow. <laughs> I just can't wait to get there. Uh, we are going to have Steve Mackinac on. He's got some, some, as he always does, some absolutely fascinating numbers that we're going to break down for you later on in the program. And, of course, in the second hour, we're going to have Lou Finnecaro join us as well. And, again, you know, some of these UFC cards might not be the biggest you know, by the, by the visual eye. Mm-hmm. But there's normally some good ways to to make some cash out of these. And we're going to have some angles with Lou that maybe could be very, very profitable uh, when we get to Saturday's card. But I do want to start with the NBA playoffs last night and get your thoughts on that. Because, boy, if you watch that heat and that Hawks game, you know, Miami's up 16, right. 10 minutes to go. They're easily going to cover the number. This thing's going to go way over. And then all of a sudden it got tight. ATL got it down, I think, as close as three at one point. And then Miami, Jimmy Butler does what Jimmy Butler does and pulls away. He had a monster ball game yesterday. And the Heat uh, cover the number that was eight. They win by ten. And then, you know, we talked about this. You see that total? Mm-hmm. That thing crept up as the day went on. Yeah. Now, depending on where you got it, and it went all the way up. We were doing the show, Wes and I, yesterday at this time, and it was about 219 and a half. 222 lands at 220. So these exercises of, and I can hear my inner Wes Reynolds, which can be a scary thing, saying, You got to get the number, don't chase bad numbers. Mm-hmm. So when you see that number go all the way up to 222, if you got in late, you lost. Right. If you played that over.
5: So same thing with the spread. It there, closed there, at eight. There it is. Yeah, so like, mean,
4: you, you see these things, mm-hmm. Mike, and that, that's kind of the practice is don't chase bad numbers right
5: right 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 I mean absolutely I mean you think the books they want you to chase those numbers that's why they're doing it right so uh, you, you gotta focus in on a number that you're comfortable with I focused in on seven seven and a half uh, earlier for the heat earlier in the day just thinking the heat how they demolished the Hawks uh, earlier uh, in game one mm-hmm. uh, even though the Hawks you think about the situation from a play-in standpoint okay now you got to gear up for the playoffs and but the Heat, they're just such a complete team. And we saw uh, the star rise, and that was Butler, go for 45. And and so if you're a team like the Heat, and you can skew it that way with one superstar, you don't have a chance if you're Atlanta. I mean, even if Trey Young goes off, which, you know, we're looking for that to happen in Game right. 3 perhaps. Uh, I, I don't know if the Hawks win that game. Now, do they cover that bad number of eight? They probably cover that. But, you know, if you get a number earlier that you're comfortable with, certainly the one I was comfortable with was below eight. And, and so I, I thought the Heat would prevail that way uh, because they're just such a complete team. They do such uh, uh, great execution on, on both sides of the court. And they also show the balance that I think – betters need to focus in on in the NBA. Like the superstars will be a superstar, right? But if you have complete balance, bench contribution, uh, and effort defensively, I, I think that's what we're seeing in the NBA today's NBA. Uh, that's that's helping these favorites in these situations with these larger spreads.
4: You know, I mentioned off the top that it feels like it's just tomorrow that the NFL season is going to begin. It feels like just yesterday that Jimmy Buckets was getting in a fight with their expulsion, <laughs> right.
5: right? Everybody they, was mad at that right, or right, something.
4: Like, oh, what's going on down there? And and I do I do look at the Heat here. They are still the number one seed now, by the way, uh, minus uh, 1,600 to close out the series with the ATL if you think Atlanta can get back in there, uh, plus 900 if they think, they think they can make a comeback and win this series. I am not one of those people, but I do look at Miami with all the focus, and we're going to talk a lot about Brooklyn and Boston and certainly Philadelphia. They've kind of flexed their muscle here in the first two games against Toronto. It still feels like Miami's the forgotten one seed. Mm-hmm. And. Is Jimmy Buckets, you know, he said after the game that, look, they told me, the coaches told me, go out there and score. Be a killer. And that's what he did. So maybe they're in good graces. Maybe everything is peace, love, and harmony. Sometimes brothers fight. We understand that. But where do you look at Miami kind of in the bigger spectrum of the Eastern Conference is this the team you would financially consider backing going forward? With everybody talking about the other big three, and we haven't even mentioned Milwaukee, right? Right. And the defending champs.
5: Well, when you have a superstar that can, or the star of your team that can skew his performance like this—I mean, forty-five points from Butler on both ends of the court, too, defensively—and uh, and that type of energy, then yeah, I mean, I think that's something a, a team can feed off of. Uh, The makeup of the Miami Heat is they go deep with their rotation. They got a lot of bodies they can throw out there on the floor. Mm -hmm. uh, And so they have max effort defensively that way, too. But if you have a superstar like Butler that can do what he did, that's going to make it tough for anybody. And so I I think from a coaching standpoint, you want to unlock that for Butler. You, 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 You have to make him understand or help him understand that it, for us to win a championship, you have to do this. You have to take control. You have to be uh, the aggressor out there, uh, the aggressor, because other teams will have that. KD, Kyrie, uh, Giannis. I mean, other teams, Ja. I mean, other teams will have the, that aggressor that takes the pressure off those role players. And we saw that again last night, too, from Miami. The role players completely relaxed uh, because Jimmy Butler was going off, and those role players settled in and, and did what they needed to do as well. I think it's an
4: excellent point. And I always say this, that You can make your name Mm -hmm. in the regular season, but stars are made in the postseason, Right, right. right? And Jimmy Butler now, look, got to the finals in the bubble year against the Lakers. That's really kind of when you went, wow, Jimmy Butler is a guy, not just some bench player formerly of the Bulls from Marquette who got in fights in Minnesota. This guy's a real killer, Mm -hmm. and he's a basketball killer, and he's going to go out there, and that's what he did last night, and literally took care of the ATL
5: all by himself. I'll take you back a few years ago when Pop told Kawhi Leonard, says, I need you to be a superstar. Mm -hmm. He told him that, Uh, and the rest is history. I mean, Kawhi helps uh, the Spurs, and then, okay, now he's a superstar in the league, even though he's hurt. But it's those type of, it's that type of communication. And it doesn't matter the sport. I got that in my sport, too. So uh, a team game like that, when you can recognize that one particular player that can just lift all boats, uh, then you do that as a coach. You make sure that that player understands that. I'm going to need that out of a guy nicknamed Cat.
4: And that's Carl Anthony Towns, right. right? Because you look at what happened in Game 2 with Minnesota last mm-hmm. night, and John Morant was the star stars as Memphis evens up this series at one game apiece, and they easily cashed that that ticket if you had Memphis last night, kind of that bounce-back scenario. The under also cashed as Minnesota, only 96 points. Yeah. Now, this was competitive after one, and then I believe they were down 11 at the break, and it felt like – and, Pritch, I don't know if you can speak to this if this actually happens. And I know it's different because in the NFL it's a one-game game postseason in the in the NBA major league baseball sometimes you go, all right, we got our split. Let's get the heck out of Dodge and get back to the land of a thousand lakes and see if we can take care of business. And I kind of felt like they packed it in a little bit in the second mm-hmm. half. Carl Anthony Towns, I, I am kind of looking at you. We talk about these star stars and all these guys that make their names in the postseason. Sixty points in the regular season, that's wonderful. But you gotta be able to do it night in, night out right, and right now, There's even a debate whether or not you're the best player on your own team.
5: I know. How about that? Uh, And, no, he he should be called out. Uh, Adams played three minutes (laughs) for Memphis. Wow. Uh, And so it's a matchup situation in the playoffs. It doesn't matter the sport. Again, it's all about matchups. And uh, if you're Cat, you got to understand that the Grizzlies were going to adjust and create different matchups for you and make it more difficult for Mm -hmm. you. Because we've seen Cat do that. We've seen him succumb to being harassed or, or being bothered out there on the floor. And that's what we saw last night, right? No he was bothered out there again. So he's got to be better than that. And and I think to what your point is about relaxing uh, and then settling. settling for the fact, okay, we took care of business in game one. We're good. You can't have that. You need that edge uh, when you're in the playoffs.
4: And they, they got it. Look, and I get it. They're still a young team. But so is Memphis, mm-hmm. right? So there's mm-hmm. really to me. No excuse. And I look now, you see Minnesota be plus, plus 190 here to win this series. Boy, I'd love to hop back in on I know, them. I know, I know, but it's dangerous. Yeah, it is. After what you saw John Morant to because mm-hmm. you're starting to go, okay, are these teams evenly matched? Was game one an aberration? So game three, it, it's all right there for Minnesota. And if they can take care of business at home in game three, series on. Right. If they can't, and they give up home court just that easily. I kind of feel like this is going to go the other way.
5: Yeah, because you wonder about the mental makeup of a team. That's right. Like individual players, the superstar players, you can find that. Uh, but can you identify, as a better, can you identify the m- mental makeup of, of the Timberwolves? And if you can, you know, be comfortable with the fact that. You think they have enough resolve or the proper mental makeup to uh, get through adversity or, or, or to understand or withstand mm-hmm. the onslaught from the opponent? Then okay, yeah, back in with the plus money situation. But but Memphis, Memphis has oh, shown all year long their resiliency, uh, even if Jaw is banged up. How many games did they win without Jaw? Uh, so I think Memphis, from a mental standpoint, uh, more primed than the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves.
4: I think we might have a situation out west. <laughs> because, again, 14-1, yeah. to 1 is the, that was the number yesterday mm-hmm. for New Orleans to win the series when they were down 1-0. And I was like, I did gonna get swept. <laughs> this thing's over in four. Then all of a sudden, Devin Booker throws up 31 in the first half, right? And then he gets hurt in the third quarter. Now, by the way, when he got hurt, New Orleans was leading the game. Right. So, great Booker. You can put that in. I know a lot of people go, wow, well, they only lost because Book got hurt. I don't know that that's necessarily the case. And now all of a sudden, I don't know if you believe we have a series on our hands, but easily this game goes well over the posted total and the Pelly's an outright winner. Forget the nine and a half. Yeah. Talk about a young team. When Brandon Ingram plays like that, that kind
5: of feels like a different team out well, there. Well, it's also the balance, too, because you think about Ingram, Valisunas, uh, McCollum, I mean, all these guys, they got contribution, great contribution from all over the floor. Uh, and that was a balanced attack, too, that the Suns just couldn't match up with. And then when Booker goes down, now now you're adjusting to that too. Now, I'll give the Suns the benefit of the doubt to be able to figure it out. They got some time mm-hmm. until the next matchup on the road. Uh the best road team in the NBA this year. Uh they were out they were without Chris Paul for uh you know some important games down the stretch yeah. too. So even if Booker is isn't able to go, I still think the pedigree is there for the Suns though. But we can stop the Chris Chris Paul point guard. Greatest of all time. <laughs> he's a clutch I'm, player, though.
4: I, great player, yeah. but this isn't Magic Johnson we're talking about out there, right?
5: He's a clutch player. He's one of the best clutch players we've seen. But he's not Magic Johnson, right? He's not right? Magic Johnson. Okay, though. that's <laughs> all I want, because I hear a lot of people
4: like, oh, it's not because of right. course you got to go win one. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, I know you're not into the social media stuff, but what's going on with Debo and the San Francisco 49ers? We'll discuss. Come back. It's the Lombardi Line right here on The Sports Betting Network. To download Nevada's premier sports betting app, BetMGM Sports. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options, along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino. On the strip, your state-issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call one 800 522 4,700 back alongside Mike Pritchard. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line right here on Beason. I'm going to get to the NFL news and notes in a second, how they might affect you in some future wagers. But speaking of the future, when it's all said and done for Chris Paul, and we had this started this conversation before (laughs) we went to break. My only thing is, and again, I I first about Hall of Famer. This is not, and I always say, this is not a detraction or a, you know, smear job on Chris Paul. I think he's one of the best to ever play. But in order to be regarded as one of the literal best point guards to ever play, you have to win a championship. It cannot just be about you, your individual play. And I can't put him in the same realm as Magic Johnson. But let me just ask you, Point mm-hmm. Blank, if I told you right now to win an NBA championship and your future numbers depended on it, and I could give you the choice of Chris Paul running your point guard position or Steph Curry, who are you taking?
5: Oh, my gosh. Oh, um, Oh, man. I, I, it depends on what my needs are, really. I mean, think I, I'm not. Well, that's St- not a cop out answer. Do I know. It's you not, want. I, well, because Jordan Poole. I mean, think about that. If they didn't have Jordan Poole the way that he's been playing, uh, and then certainly Clay coming back. Because where was with Steph without Clay, right? Okay. Um, so it depends on the situation. It always does for team sports for me. Like, yeah, I agree. When you're talking about Chris Paul and you know Magic, okay, the titles and all that. Uh, Dan Marino, do you think he's better skill wise than Tom Brady?
4: I do not. Okay. <laughs> but to say, I, but I, am, I am skewed by the titles. Right. Like, it does matter to me. Right, and and right. obviously, look, Golden State and Phoenix are the two favorites to come out of the West. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we understand why. But primarily, it's because of yeah. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, right. and and Steph Curry and Splash Brothers 1, 2, and 3 now. And it's a team
5: situation because, like, if right. Chris Paul, if, if, if um, uh, the trade would have happened uh, and Chris Paul would end up in L.A., oh, how many titles would he have had? Right. With right? the NBA blocked Exactly. It. They blocked it. So, I mean, That's I, great yeah, I, I think circumstance – Chris Paul has happened, but no, he's he's phenomenal. He is, uh, and not I, only from a leadership standpoint, but on the floor as well. But I'm just going to trust my money more. Okay. With, with oh, Steph. right, right, I'm, right. I'm trusting with Steph, yeah. So and then I, if he's teamed up or if he's you know, Scott Foster is involved in the game, then <laughs> certainly you got you to pay attention to that. How crazy that's real. is
4: that? That's that, that's real. He's never won a playoff Mm-mm. game with, with Scott Foster officiating
5: right. it.
4: You know, we get into the weeds certainly when it comes to the NFL and who's officiating how the game's going to be called, maybe for your totals. That is a fascinating yeah. stat and I can't I don't know if it's just happenstance but that's one of those definitely makes you do a double take before you wager on Phoenix mm-hmm. in, in any game that Chris Paul is playing and Scott Foster is officiating just news for your that, that's information that actually affects your dollar I take two looks maybe three looks
5: if a Hockley is involved in an NFL game Really Yeah I, you know
4: it, it is it is fascinating how that works out so some people go, wow, it's just it's coincidental," and others go, no, 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 there's oh no, there's a rhyme and a reason to yeah. It. I
5: mean as a player, i I mean you get a feel for how the game's going to be called, and certainly certain crews, you understand that too, mm-hmm. what you can get away with, what you can't get away with, uh, how tight they're gonna call it or or whatever the situation is. Uh, so as a better, I, I would I would assume that a lot of betters would want that information too, right? no question okay
4: I, I, it is fascinating. but again, at least I we're on common ground here. I mean, Chris Paul
5: and Steph Curry, they're, they're in the conversation, but then there's, like, magic. Yeah, I mean, magic, yeah, you're talking about transcendent type of players and stuff right. like that, right, right. That's, yeah, It's just different levels. <laughs> uh,
4: you know, I, I do read into some of the sophomoric social media okay. stuff that athletes do. I do. It's comical to me, but sometimes there's some truth in what they do. Now, Debo Samuel, according to Adam Schefter at ESPN, quote, wants to move on. From the Niners. If you remember this. Scrub them. All off the social media. Mm-hmm. Right. Bye-bye Niners. I don't know you. I, I don't play for you anymore. I'm just on my own man. Right. And I'm looking for a team. Obviously he's looking for a new deal. And that probably would help make matters better. But when I look at San Francisco. And I look at the division that they're going to be in. With the defending reigning Super Bowl champion Rams. And I don't know what's going on a quarterback. And we'll get to Jimmy G here in a second. If you're Kyle Shanahan and you're John Lynch, do you have to give Debo Samuel his money or, Pritch, in this new era of wide receivers galore, now go get me another one if your price tag is too expensive?
5: You know, it's a really great question because you think about the family, uh, and if you have had history with the Shanahan family, you understand this. Yeah, they feel like they can find another one. They can find another Debo, just like they found another running back. Mm. Uh, and then they found another one, and then another one, and then another one. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, he's, a, he's the best play caller in the National Football League. He's the highly creative play caller. And uh, what he has done with Debo Samuel and, and a cast of others uh, with that offense is off the charts. It really is. It really is. I don't think anybody imagined or, or, or even thought of the creativity that's allowed Debo Samuel to be the most explosive player in the game right now. Mm. Uh, Now, can he duplicate that somewhere else? Probably not. And and that's what you're dealing with when you're talking about players and a front office philosophy or coaching philosophy. Uh, So Debo, as a player, is doing what he needs to do right now. He has leverage. He's about to be a free agent after this season. So let me find out where I stand. And I need to know that information because I need to make a business decision coming up. Now, certainly the 49ers can do that, too. They can franchise tag him and all that stuff. But I think if you're Debo and you're like, hey, wait a minute, I, I want to be paid, uh, that's indicative of my performance and certainly my production here and, and-, and what I- my projection is. Uh, so maybe there's another team that might be interested in that. So I need to create a market. And that's what Debo and these other receivers are doing right now.
4: You know, he had almost 1,800 yards from scrimmage. Mm-hmm. He had 14 scores a year ago, right? right. And that is production. So right. I know some people are probably hearing and watching this going, what are you guys talking about? You can't just replace a Debo Samuel. But the Shanahan's, and you mentioned Mike Shanahan, who I covered back in DC, hmm. and you know this better than anybody. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, he will find another running back to right. go to go replace you, and it worked. Like he had a system in Denver and it was yeah. almost interchangeable guys and go get you a thousand yards, right? I don't know if you can go find exactly another Debo Samuel prototype and do the same thing he did in San Francisco, but it's the system, Mm -hmm. right? The system that the Shanahan's, that dad created and now son is kind of carrying on in San Francisco that is... Bigger than the individual is that kind of the lesson here that Debo might learn?
5: Yeah, well, he's not going to learn it. I mean, Debo, see, you got to separate the player and the team here. Like the the team and Lynch and Shanahan, what they want to decide or what, whatever they're going to decide here. Um, I, I think they want to pay Debo, but okay, at what price? Uh, and then for Debo, you know, you're seeing all these receivers oh, get this man. money. Uh, but these guys are established, like Devonte Adams. I mean, that's that's kind of different now. But Christian Kirk, there you go. That's the outlier. That's the one that throws the
4: the, the whole monkey wrench into the whole system, right? That's what has go... a lot of
5: wide receivers mad, including retired ones. <laughs> <laughs> <Could> <laughs> you imagine
4: <laughs> what a monkey yes. the open market r- today? Right, right. Oh right.
5: my goodness. So the enticement of getting to free agency, and uh, you know, without any resistance you know you want that you want to cash in that lottery ticket with the powerball you want that situation uh so Debo is trying to flex and, and create leverage and uh AJ Brown's trying to do the same thing we'll yeah. see what happens though but but you know the whole social media thing I'm not going to buy a lot into that as a better uh, I just want to see what the 49ers want to do
4: It's just it's hard for me when you look at some of these totals here. Nine and a half wins Mm. as you want to get to ten. Okay, win the conference and get you six fifty. Win the division two to one. But who's going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be Trey Lance throwing to somebody not named Debo Samuel or handing the ball off to somebody not named Debo Samuel? I mean, it's hard for me right now. And I like the culture that they've built there. I.e., I put that in air quotes. System, right? Because you kind of know that it's probably going to work to a degree. But, I mean, I don't know that I can buy in. And I don't know what the hell's going on in Arizona with Kyler Murray.
5: Arizona's a mess. They Seattle's are. a mess. The 49ers, the culture – so, I'll pull back the curtain on the 49ers and their culture. So, um, John Embry has moved on. He's always, uh, obviously in Miami now. But mm-hmm. he was assistant head coach out there. Uh, I know him really well. Uh, you know, they traded for Garoppolo, second-round pick and all this stuff. And they got to Super Bowls with Garoppolo. It worked. Almost. Yeah, it does. I mean – the culture and, and the system in San Francisco and certainly Lynch and Kyle uh, tied together here they believe in their evaluation they can find players it's it's what we've created from a culture standpoint that these players will buy into and if you think about it that that whole roster is really you know guys that need to prove themselves again you know they create that edge for them and that's something that Kyle got from Mike uh, Shanahan a long time ago, uh, and certainly if you can find those first rounders, those elite guys that are self motivated and and will create that culture, a, a buy into that culture, and extend that culture. But a lot of times, coaches like Kyle, they want to go find those guys that are hungry uh, and, and not satisfied. Okay, so if, I can buy into that. Is better if I if Mike Pritchard could put those pads back on,
4: you and that system would oh. seem to just flourish. Yeah. Who would you rather be your quarterback, Jimmy G? Or Trey Lance?
5: Um, for that system, if Trey Lance can elevate his game, I, I love the upside right there. Okay, so that's why
4: they traded up to get him, right? right for right.
5: what you just said right there. It's part of the culture thing with Kyle T. Wow,
4: absolutely fascinating. I want to get some more news and notes in the NFL. But when we come back, Steve Mackin is going to join us right here. And he's got some fascinating numbers on rookie head coaches before you make those wagers for rookie of the year and who's going to coach them up better than anybody. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here in VEASAN, the Sports betting man. In for the draft next week in Fabulous Las Vegas. We've got a special draft preview show this Sunday at 6 p.m. with Tim Murray and Sean King. They're going to break down all the first round prospects and props. we got experts, and they include legendary broadcaster Brent Musburger, former NFL GM Mike Pr- uh, Michael Lombardi, and of course, our former star right here, Mike Pritchard, and former NFL lineman and TV host Mike Golick and his son. VEASAN's draft preview special is this Sunday at 6 p.m. exclusively on VEASAN. And don't forget to download our NFL Draft Betting Guide featuring best bets, mock drafts, and everything you need to score this big draft season. Download it today for just $10. Go to VEASAN.com draft for more information alongside the aforementioned Mike Pritchard, who was a second round pick in the NFL draft today. He would have been a top 10 pick Well, with the game, the way the game's the first going round. first round pick, excuse me. <laughs> you would have been a top 10 guy th- 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 in today's I was era. top
5: 13 back then, but so that's pretty yeah, I mean, good. yeah. And college is, you know, college is different, but I, yeah, I mean, the re- w- way receivers are right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it would be a routine to see a high number of wide receivers, especially when I played the the caliber that we had in the league at that point, uh, be drafted uh, pretty high.
4: You know, because I had Tank Williams on yesterday. He was a second-rounder, and Brian McFadden was a second-rounder. Those receivers always go in the first round.
5: (laughs) They they know where the bread's going. I played against Mike Golick, by the way. Really? yeah, Yeah, that guy with Philly. Oh,
4: yeah!
3: Yeah!
0: yeah
4: so. oh, that was a monstrous yeah. defensive line they mm-hmm. had there. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have Steve Mackinnon join us here. He's got great numbers each and every week. Point Spread Weekly Editor. Follow him on Twitter, at Steve McEnany. And Steve, you know, Pritch and I were talking a little bit during the break here with your numbers. And when you look at rookie head coaches in the league, and before we kind of really look at these coaches coming in this year, we got what? Mike Eber, uh, Matt Eberflus, and Nathaniel Hackett, Mike McDaniel, Kevin O'Connell, and uh, Brian Dable there with the Giants. Uh, Pritch, I just want to know from you, what that vibe is like, I covered a bunch of them in mm-hmm. D.C., and I know veterans kind of react differently than young guys. What is that feeling like when you know I got a rookie head coach for the very first time doing this job?
5: Yeah, you know, that's why I'm so eager to talk to Steve and, and with his data here because uh, from my experiences, I never had a rookie head coach like that, but I know a lot of players that have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like anything. Uh, you need to establish credibility. Uh, and a lot of times, first-time head coaches, they don't know how to do that. They don't know how to communicate. 1 through 53. They know how to communicate with the quarterback. They know how to communicate with the running back or the star player. But what about that special teams guy? Or what about the entire roster? Mm. Uh, So establishing credibility is essential uh, for any first-time head coach.
4: You know, when I look at the numbers here to begin, you would think at first blush that rookie head coaches are not going to have a lot of success. But Steve, over the last 10 years, your numbers have found that of the 41 different first-time head coaches that spent a full season with their new teams, 27 Seven have led their teams to improve one loss marks, and five have produced equal records, and only nine have seen their teams drop. Why do you think they're having success earlier rather than later?
7: Well, I think, uh, guys, Mike touches upon an interesting thing here, a credibility. Now, you leave a team, or you, you take over a team that most of these teams are in bad shape. You know what I mean? So the guy who left had no credibility left. So that's they got rid of him. So this new guy, he's bringing in fresh hope, fresh optimism, maybe a youthful exuberance, mm. uh, something with fresh to, to coming into a first-time job.
5: You know, Steve, too, from your data here, just going over these names and and something that I'm familiar with with the National Football League, we kind of touched on it uh, in a previous segment, too, the influences uh, of the National Football League right now. The Shanahan family is all over the place. The West Coast offense is all over the place. And you take a look at these names, whether it's Hackett, McDaniel, O'Connell, uh, Dable, not so much. But, uh, you know, those influences also are, are leading to the hiring process, too, for a lot of these teams. So uh, how does that correlate with your data here that you have on Points Spread Weekly?
7: Yeah, I, I agree with that point you make 100%, Michael. This is its a very interesting time. In fact, there's a lot of copycatting going on here. You see something working at another – Uh, another organization. It's interesting the way the the, uh, assistant coaching staffs of the Rams and the Packers got poached this year. (laughs) They're going to be rebuilding in their coaching staffs from what were obviously successful uh, seasons and programs. So uh, Quite an interesting uh, way, of, of wave of hiring process right now.
4: Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, because I, I know some people are going to say, when we talk about Matt LaFleur, and he, by the way, had, had the most successful rookie coach. He's been the most successful over the last decade, winning 13 games that first year, and then backing that up with 13 more in year two. But, Steve, you know what they're going to say. Well, it's easy to do that when you have Aaron Rodgers. So, is that kind of a – you throw it out or do we have to give Matt LaFleur some credit here?
7: Well, I think he deserves a ton of credit. Cause even if you look at the numbers here, so, so I looked at the last 33 uh, rookie coaches to stick around for a second season. And we talk about 27 and improved in their 27 to 41 and improved in their first season. Only 10 have built upon that success in the first season to go to improve in the next season. So it's rarer. And for, For LaFleur to keep it a 13-win pace here for three straight seasons, uh, Rodgers or not, he deserves a ton of credit, I believe.
5: Yeah, he really does because you think about the offseason, Rodgers isn't even there. Right. Uh, So, again, it's that communication with 1 through 53 uh, and getting max effort uh, and production from everybody uh, involved right there. On the other side, too, you you highlighted uh, coaches – that have declined, uh, you know, and then maybe they'll have success. Like Zach Taylor comes to mind. Mm. Uh, his rookie year, I mean, a failure. In fact, he was on a hot seat uh, going into this year, Steve. <laughs> and then, okay, like he goes to the Super Bowl. Uh, and it helps to have Joe Burrow for sure. But I mean, that right there, that coaching acumen, I think that's something betters can get behind.
7: Yes, yeah, so sticking to the plan sometimes is the better method here. Now, In that sense, you really have to wonder what was going on in Miami. Obviously, there's a lot of dysfunction uh, in the upper office and such. But, I mean, for Brian Flores to be let go after taking a team that was just down at the bottom near the NFL and leading them, clearly they didn't didn't make the playoffs in either two seasons, but they've been very competitive after uh, a year before that where they weren't very competitive for, for the last two seasons. So.
4: You know, it's fascinating to me, too, like looking at my team down there in Dallas, my team, you know, Mike McCarthy, because you go in and Mike McCarthy is supposed to be this great play caller, mm-hmm. right? It's it's odd now that you get new head coaches that come in that do macro jobs. He got stripped of that title. So really, Mike McCarthy is kind of just like managing the team. And I bring that up because Sean McVay in 2017 had an applicable skill, and that was offense. And it showed in, in your numbers here, Steve, that they made the biggest jump in scoring under any first-year head coach of the last decade, improving by almost 16 points per game. And then defensively, I know Ben McAdoo, people don't like to talk about his era there in New York, but he did do a good job defensively, at least, here. So, so Steve, is there the numbers showing that when a new head coach comes in, normally they've got a skill set, and it's going to be one side of the ball or the other?
7: Uh, yeah, and it's not always the case. Now, it's very interesting you bring up this Sean McVay, and then you talk about the Giants, because – I don't want to throw a too optimistic of, an, of expectations <laughs> out here at this point, but there are some similarities to what McVay did with the Rams as to what Brian Dable could do here for the Giants. I mean, so they they were, the year McVay took over, they were outscored by 10.6 points per game the, before that. Uh, the only average 14 points per game scoring. So he took them. To where they averaged almost 30 points per game, went 11 and 5. Two years later, uh, went to 13 and 3 in a Super Bowl. Now, obviously, this is this is the the most optimistic of situations I'm projecting here for the Giants. But it has been done before. So, uh, Dave taking taken over an offense here that I, I, I'm thinking he he could, if Danny Danny Jones ends up being the quarterback, and he uses him in more of a uh, Josh Allen, where he's using his legs a little more, I, I could see a point where this offense improves a lot.
4: Very quickly, and, and that makes me nervous as a Cowboy fan, <laughs> that the Giants might be good all of a sudden. Uh, but, Steve, you know, does this data qualify? Because I know, like, Hackett technically has been a head coach before. Doug Peterson down there in Jacksonville, right? Obviously won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. So he's not a rookie head coach in that sense, but he is a first-year guy down in Jacksonville. I look at their win total at six, and I know it's due to the over right now. But I kind of like the over here, is that because of the data we're seeing with, with kind of first-year head coaches, could that be applicable to Doug Peterson in Jacksonville?
7: Well, officially, according to my studies, it's not. Now, I could, so uh, admittedly and wrongly, I was on the Jacksonville bandwagon last year thinking <laughs> Urban Meyer would have a have a great influence there. And yeah, obviously, the addition of Lawrence and some of the other things, uh, that fell apart. Now, Some of that thinking could still be applied to this year with with a coach that has some experience and and some winning experience. So uh, I think uh, Lawrence is definitely in better hands this season as far as the pro game goes. So uh, we'll see how that goes.
4: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm curious because, again, not a rookie head coach by any stretch uh, with, with Doug Peterson, but I think it should be a good mix. All right, very quickly, out of these guys that we mentioned with Eberflus and Hackett and McDaniel, O'Connell, and Dable, and you mentioned Dable there in New York, so I'm going to take him off the table here. Out of the other coaches, who do you think really might be primed for success? And I know everybody in Chicago wants you to say Matt Eberflus.
7: That's a curious hire to me. I'm not, I'm not really behind that one uh, just because of you know, the offense, defense, the I think Hackett's in uh, Denver is immediately set up for success here with Wilson coming in great defense already they're just going to build upon that uh, adding Wilson and uh, a new offensive mindset I think it's going to do a lot for the Broncos
4: fascinating numbers check them out points very weekly uh, Steve we always appreciate your time each and every week great conversation as always thank you guys all right I just hope he's wrong in the Giants He's not. <laughs> I don't think he the is. The Giants are
5: a dumpster.
2: When
4: we come back, year. much more to get to. Back to the NBA. <laughs> it is the Lombardi line. I'm Vesa. These sports Betty Now. Baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using the code leaston200. when 200 bucks in free bets when you place a 10 money on wager on any MLB game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM all season long. Sign up today with the King of Sportsbooks. Eligibility restrictions to apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit uh, betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-rejulable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. And Mississippi back alongside Mike Pritchard. I am Dave Ross. This is the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. Great conversation we just had with Steve Mackinnon from Point Spread Weekly about rookie head coaches in the NFL. And before you kind of gauge those win totals, mm-hmm. you made a great point. And I did want to bring this back up here again. When you look at these names like Eberflus and Hackett and McDaniel, uh, O'Connell and Dable and, and job number one that they're going to have in that locker room. Cause I've been in many of those in, in my days in DC and some coaches, can come in and have their own way. Some try to do it the way the old guy did it. What is, what is the thing that, as a player that these five coaches need to have their players identify with them? What's that trait that's going to get that unity in that locker room?
5: First of all, a coach needs to establish that they are clearly in control uh, because you need respect. Uh, you need respect from everybody in there because those players are making more money than you, frankly. Uh, but they need to respect you. Uh, and, okay, you have to have that presence. You also have to have that pedigree. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and you have to get that conveyed to everybody, 1 through 53, not just a few guys. And a lot of coaches don't understand that. So, like, I'm, I'm filing away um, wow. Steve Mackinan's data here for Point Spread Weekly because I, I'm certainly going to use that for this upcoming season. I invite all the betters out there to file this away because it's extraordinary. I, like, for instance, Day Bowl mm-hmm. uh, with the Giants. Judge was a dumpster fire. Boy. That was horrible. Uh, and so, Dable's instantly going to bring pedigree. He's going to have a presence. Working with the GM that he's highly familiar with. Mm-hmm. They're going to have structure. So, as a player in that locker room, I'm like, man, these guys know what they're talking about. Okay, this this pains me. <laughs> so, your Dallas Cowboys might be in trouble. And I look at the, <laughs> the, the, the win total
4: for the Giants. Right. Listening to you and Steve, uh, to you and Steve with the numbers, the over-under study, even money at at 7? Mm-hmm. Minus 110? hmm I mean, 7? This – in what is a down division still? Right. I mean, we'll find out if the Eagles are gonna be good with Jalen Hurts, and I don't know what's going on in Dallas. Not a great offseason. You're double dog daring me to take the over with Brian Dable and the Giants, but then I gotta believe in Danny Dimes.
5: Sure. And you think about the dumpster fire that Urban Meyer was, even though he improved. I mean, that's what cause Jacksonville was just horrible. But Jacksonville has talent now. They got a, a Super Bowl winning head coach. He's going to bring some structure. Look at the Raiders. Mm. So the Raiders are a team in which Josh McDaniels and Ziegler takes over a playoff team. And they're bringing the pedigree of six Super Bowl championships. Now, you have guys on that roster with the Las Vegas Raiders that still want to establish themselves and do some things. So that's a mix right there that I can look at as a better. I'm saying that's going to be improved. And Mm. I think their win totals are eight. Right, and yes. so even though they're in probably the, the the toughest division in football, I just can't ignore what has been teamed up with the Las Vegas Raiders at this point. And again, the Broncos, if
4: you want to get their win total, and again we just discussed it with Nathaniel Hackett here, ten is the is the win total there. Mm-hmm. If you think they can get over that number, but again, prime for success. And I know Matt LaFour, he did it with 13 wins year number one. Aaron Rodgers, you do have Russell Wilson, ten. Might be a viable number right there if you're a Bronco backer as well. We do have some breaking news. Jeff Darlington uh, reporting, and I don't know if they were watching our show in the first hour or not. <laughs> Debo Samuel, not only has he scrubbed the Niners from his social media feed, Rich, but he wants out. He has officially yeah. requested a trade from the San Francisco 49ers. My goodness. Now, how does this work, Rich? Is this the agent going to Lynch and going to Kyle and say, we formally object <laughs> you are not giving us a new deal. Therefore, we are formally request. What's the difference between formally requesting a trade and requesting a trade?
5: Well, it's it's no different than what we saw with Tyreek Hill. We're doing A show, and Tyreek Hill. How I mean, in matter of minutes, that he got traded. Right? Wow. Uh, so you do this because you got the draft coming up, and if you have leverage, if you feel like you have a market that you created, Debo and his agent, then okay, now you're going to strengthen your position here. Like contracts are all about leverage. Um, And Debo has leverage right now. Uh, And and so the the thing about Debo and what he's doing here is uh, can the 49ers come to the table and give him a contract that he likes and he wants to, you know, stick with in the 49ers, perhaps. But he also understands that there's probably teams out there that want to trade for him. And therefore, he knows maybe a better situation, a better quarterback situation, Mm. uh, more stability. Maybe he wants to be used differently. I mean, you, you just never know what a player is thinking. But the motives are certainly started or, or this whole movement starts because the fact that you feel like you have that leverage at this point. Let's keep going down that rabbit hole
4: for a second because you just made an excellent point. We were doing the show not too long ago, and Tyreek Hill formally announces that he's asked and requested a trade. And we sat here and thought, oh, yeah, you can request all you want. Right. He's gone before the show was over. Right. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen today with Debo Samuel. But you bring up the draft. And again, we've seen a lot of wagers out there, right? Over, under for number of wide receivers selected, six is kind of going right right now out here in Las Vegas. Well, if Debo Samuel, if he's now requesting a trade, that could put a little bit of a monkey wrench into your plans as to how many wide receivers might be drafted in the first round. Because if Debo Samuel is, on, is available, other GMs are going to now go, wait, do I want to waste, spend a first-round pick on a guy I don't know is going to pan out? or do I want to trade for Debo Samuel? What's the going rate? After what we just saw, the King's ransom Mm -hmm. that Tyreek Hill got, and I think Kansas City feels like they won that trade. I think they believe they won that trade. What's it going to be for Debo Samuel?
5: Well, they won that trade because they have the quarterback. Um, I I think if you're the 49ers, you're waiting to see approach right now with Trey Lance. But uh, for Debo... I think from an agent standpoint and a player, I got that player hat back on, Dave, and uh, you know that there's going to be influx of wide receivers. They're trying to lower that number. Yes. They're trying to lower that $18.5 million number that's on elite wide receivers. Uh, So more and more wide receivers are going to get drafted uh, and therefore more control over those players for longer. Again, Debo was, what, a second rounder, I believe? South Carolina, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so now he's one year before being a free agent, and, again, it's all about that leverage, and, but also understanding that the money is out there. Uh, and if, okay, the 49ers aren't going to pay, pay me, then, okay, go ahead and trade me, that kind of situation. Uh, but I think you see a number of veteran players that will start to do that. Cooper Cup rumblings about, okay, I outplayed my situation. So uh, the fact that they understand that the money and the value is there – Uh, that's why these players are doing it. And and there's nothing wrong with that. It's the business side of it. Mm As better as we just got to follow that uh, and and then certainly hone in, okay, what makes sense for Debo? Where could he go right now? Who could trade for him uh, and sacrifice draft choices? And then, okay, he's immediately going to improve our roster. Oh, by the way, we're going to have to give him about $20 million a year, too.
4: That's the problem. Right, we we talked about it. We were doing when when Amari Cooper got let go down the, down there in Dallas. People, why could you get rid of Mark twenty million dollars a year, right? That was now what they were going to have to pay Amari Cooper for the next two years of his contract in Dallas, and so they let him go for a six-round pick to Cleveland. They gave him away because they wanted to give away the money, right? Right. So that's the thing. So those are the type of things. Again, before you start blindly betting these futures, know what you might have in San Francisco. This is now a formal trade request from Debo Samuel. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. Jimmy G still can't throw until June. So the draft is coming up here, people, in just over a week. So all this posturing is happening right now. And I know a lot of people are getting into that draft market of, you know, number of wide receivers are going to be taken. This all plays into those wagers Mm -hmm. when you see news like today for Devo Samuel. So I don't know if he's going to get dealt. But it feels like after what we saw with Tyreek Hill, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he gets dealt before next week's uh, trade begin uh,
5: right. draft begins. So like if you're for instance I'll just throw this out there Uh, If you're the New Orleans Saints and you got two first rounders right now, oh boy, are you are you one of those teams calling up about Debo? Well, how about the
4: how about the Philadelphia Eagles? I would hate this as a Cowboy fan, but you you got picks, right? Right? Like there are teams that can Mm -hmm. make maneuvers and say instead of taking a flyer on a guy, yeah, I get control for four years, which is great, or five years if he's a first round pick, that's wonderful. But I got a known commodity in Debo Samuel, and I got to give you a a one for it. But he's probably that. That's going to be the going rate. He's got to give up at least a one and, to get a deal. Well, Samuel. I
5: mean, if you're Kyle and, and John Lynch, I mean, you're looking for something like that in compensation uh, in return. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think veteran players and veteran players have wanted this for a long time. Uh, that they've wanted to, if you're an established player in the league, you wanted to be able to have that financial um, uh, respect uh, or or that financial. Uh, gain that you think you're worthy of more so than a rookie who comes into the league. Okay, they're breaking off uh, rookies left and right. They haven't even established themselves Uh, as veteran players. Veteran players have wanted this type of control for a long time. So this is the Wild Wild West pretty much. The Pandora's box (laughs) is wide
4: open. In the NFL, it's absolutely fascinating. We'll talk more NFL and NFL draft later on the program, but let's dive into the uh, Eastern Conference a little bit when we come back. Some big games on tap tonight in the playoffs. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here in Eastland, the sports betting network.
1: I heart.